Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Tuesday morning following a long extended Labor Day weekend. It is September the 7th, 2021, 7.02 on your Tucson morning. Thank you for joining us here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be here with you, and gosh, I wish I had something to talk about today. I can't think of uh, what it might be that we'll be discussing on today's show. Not a whole lot happened over the weekend. (laughs) So today's one of those days you wish you had four hours instead of two. But, uh, alas, I'll try to squeeze everything in as best I can. We have a ton of stuff to do today, a lot of stuff, not, not, just, not just talking sports, not just getting through the reactions and opinions and takeaways from Arizona's loss to BYU on Saturday night, but also everything else that happened in the landscape of college football over the last three days, some great stories, some really ugly scenes and uh, moments over the weekend that only college football can provide. And uh, the Pac-12 providing a lot of that ugliness, unfortunately. And we'll uh, we'll get into that. And we may not even get into it today. It may be something that we have to talk about uh, later on down the week. But uh, we will certainly be talking about some of the Pac-12 takeaways from this weekend. We'll also do some NFL talk, as we do here every single day on the Jeff Dean Show. Plenty of NFL to get into as the season kicks off this Thursday. Cowboys and Buccaneers on Thursday night, and then a full slate of games in week one for Sunday. Can't wait for uh, for Sunday to come. So excited that the NFL season is here, and uh, we'll have a whole lot of that for you. And, of course, I'll have all of my like season predictions and stuff like that. I'll have that for you before the end of the week as well. Don't forget, it is a short week. Uh, we're here you know, Tuesday through Friday, a four-day week uh, to this week. But we're all going to be giving away the, the tickets, my tickets to the game. I have my season tickets that I've given up for the season that I'm giving to you guys, the fans, to try to win here on the show every single weekday. Um, normally it would be Monday through Thursday this week. It's Tuesday through Thursday. So it's an even shorter week, and a, a, you know, fewer chances to win. Or I guess if you're, if you're paying attention, if you're listening, you get a better chance to win because there's – uh, one fewer day of entries to be packed in there, so you got a, a better odds. But be listening because at any you know at any time I could make the uh, the call for the text to win. You'll be listening for that uh, for that cue when I uh, when I tell you to text in and the keyword and everything. Text it in there. You'll have a few minutes to get that uh, get that information locked in. That will be your registration for the day. You can do it um, during the windows when I announce it. So just be ready for that. And, uh, again, we're giving away two pairs of tickets to every home game. My game, my tickets, my own tickets to the game. So you're going to get to sit in my seats. Trust me, I have not sat there in a while. They're perfectly good. <laughs> there, there's nothing, nothing wrong with the seats. Obviously, I have my own chair five stories above the, uh, above the, the field where, uh, where I'll be. And I'm, I'm super excited for this Saturday and I hope you guys are too. But, again, stay tuned for that because you're going to have two chances today, one in the 7 o'clock hour, one in the 8 o'clock hour, to register to win my tickets. The way we'll do that is we'll register throughout the week, Monday through Thursday, or this week, Tuesday through Thursday, and then Friday we'll announce the winners. 
Okay, we're gonna the uh, the old uh, pick'em machine is gonna go through and randomize the the digital entries, and we'll have two winners on Friday to announce, and then we'll just zing you the tickets right to your phone. Just put them right on your phone. You walk up to Arizona Stadium on Saturday night, scan your phone, walk in, have a great time, and enjoy yourself, and hopefully an Arizona victory against San Diego State this Saturday. We'll talk plenty about that because uh, the lines are already out. Arizona's a one-point favorite against San Diego State, folks. That's the that's the impression that the Wildcats made in their uh, in their loss to BYU, and it was a loss. The, don't uh, don't make any mistakes about it. There's a lot of optimistic things and a lot of good takeaways from the game on Saturday night, but it was an L, 24 to 16, the final score. Yes, there were a lot of points left on the board. Uh, you know, unfortunately, missed field goals once again, uh, coming to coming to light at Arizona. Yeah. I, I, maybe I'm wrong. I, I noticed this when I was watching the game Saturday night. I think I, I feel like I've watched enough football. I've watched enough films. I was on special teams as a player. Like I, I know the formations for special teams, PATs, field goal, that stuff. Arizona was snapping the ball. Scott Spurrier, the special teams uh, coach and coordinator, was having the, the long snapper snap the ball at an angle. He wasn't snapping it straight back. So I was looking at, I was watching, I'm like, what, what is he, what is this? Because they're on the far right hash, okay, the first field goal attempt. They're at the far right hash. It's a, it was a, I think it was a 37-yard attempt. I think they're right at the 20 or the 19 or something like that. So they snapped the ball kind of like at an angle to the left to get Haversick a little closer to center field, which I've not, I, again, I've watched a lot of football. I don't think I've ever seen that before. And then, after you know, after the game on Saturday, I was watching games Sunday and and last night, and I'm watching PATs and field goals. I'm like, nope, they're snapping it straight back. Even guys on the far hash, like they're snapping it straight back. Kickers are having to you know put a little more, a little more angle into their kick. Now Haversick, and I'm not going to harp on this. this. Is just one of the observations that I made. He kicked the ball perfectly straight. Problem is that you know, he's lined up three yards outside of the of the goalpost because. You know, in college, you get the wide hash marks and the narrow posts. So, God, he was so close on that second one. My God, they thought he made it because he kicked the ball kind of over the goal post. Um, and, you know, Arizona was kind of like, hey, are you sure? Like, can we, like, can we go back and look at that? The official standing underneath the, uh, the goal post confirmed that it, it was, in fact, outside of, the, outside of the post. And I think it was, too. I think it was, I think it was the right call. But it certainly was close. But, again. Close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades and not field goals and PATs. So, uh, you know, unfortunate that Arizona wasn't able to tack on those six points onto the board because, you know, with those six points, yeah, it's a 24-22 game. Arizona's got an opportunity to kick a field goal for the win at some point. But, again, you know, kicking field goals as opposed to scoring touchdowns has been this team's bugaboo for quite some time. And during the 13-game losing streak, Arizona's red zone efficiency has been god-awful. Um, you know, 12 of the games under the Sumlin era, now one game under the Jed Fish era. It's it's not gotten any better. Uh, Arizona didn't come away with points. You know, they had four red zone trips on Saturday night, scored six points off those four trips. So uh, not a great night for red zone efficiency, but there are plenty of things that you can take away from the game that are positives. You know, Arizona outgained BYU 426 to 368. But Arizona also ran a lot more plays. They ran 20 more plays than BYU did. 
So the yards per play, obviously in BYU's favor, but not as much as you might think. Arizona had a 5.1 yards per play average, which is good. I mean, you, you know, if you you play football or if you've been around football, you hear, you know, four or more, four or more if you're on offense, four yards or more. If you gain four yards in every play, you'll never have to, uh, you'll never have to try to, to convert a fourth down. You never have to punt. You just get four yards and you get 12, you know, within those three plays. It'd be, just, it'd be wonderful just to get four yards exactly on every single play. It'd be, you know, be kind of nice. It'd be real easy on the coaches. BYU, 5.8 yards per play. So not, you know, not a huge disparity there. There were obviously the two big explosive plays for BYU, which made a huge difference, the 67-yard touchdown pass to Pau and the 39-yard quarterback scramble that, man, that was a tough one. That was a tough one to lose. <laughs> Kenny Abear break through, breaks through, and I'll tell you what, that Jaron Hall kid, uh, I, you know, I never got a chance to see him play, obviously. I, I don't follow BYU football that closely. We know that he's played in a few games. I never saw any film on him or anything like that. Obviously, that kid can move, and he uh, he played really well. I have to I have to tip my hat to Jaron Hall. Look, BYU churns out quarterback after quarterback every single year. It seems like BYU's got a dude back there playing quarterback. I mean, every single year, and it's been that way for fifty years. And Jaron Hall's another one. Like, he's good. He's really good. He was really good against the blitz. He was good in his pre-snap. Uh, coordination and reads. He, he he commanded the the offense extremely well. He's extremely fast and explosive. He's strong. He's got good accuracy. Like he's he, that kid can play. He's a uh, he's a good football player. Really good quarterback. BYU's got a good one, and I think you're going to see that throughout the season. He's gonna he's gonna put up a lot of a lot of yards, a lot of points, and uh, a lot of statistics there. He's a good player. So. You know, the two explosive plays was huge because that's 100 and, what, 107 yards on those two plays alone, 106 yards on those two plays alone. And, look, those are those are breakers. Those those hurt. You know, so the 67-yarder. That one was tough because Arizona brought a blitz. It was kind of a delayed blitz, like a, like a, like almost like a delayed stack where they, you know, they brought, they brought one backer and then they sent a corner, a nickel, uh, a nickel corner in all, you know, as well hoping that they could get home in time, but Hall just, you know, he stood there, you know, he, he was poised, he knew exactly where he was going, he threw the ball where the blitz came from, Pau was wide open, and then he won the foot race to the goal line. So, uh, you know, that was a huge, huge play for, for BYU and a huge play in the game. I mean, that was, that game, that, that play essentially was the difference in the game because then BYU gets the two-point conversion following that touchdown, and, uh, and, and they were off. It was 14, uh, 14-0 at that point. And uh, things were going really, really well for them. You know, Arizona lost 48 yards on the four sacks that they allowed. I do have plenty of thoughts on those sacks. A lot of people are trying to figure out where those sacks came from. Look, the four sacks that I saw I, when I watched it live, the one of them was obviously a, a quarterback issue. One of them was obviously an, an offensive line issue. The other two, I think, are questions for the coaches. You know what was, what was the you know what was the assignment? What was what was the quarterback read? What was he looking for? What were his keys? And then also, what were the protections that were called on this? Because you know, not once that I can remember did Arizona call for max protection. I don't I don't remember I don't remember them at all doing a max pro type of uh, of protection call, where you bring the tight end in, you kind of keep him as an H back. 
you, you keep him there for blitz pickups, or you leave the running back home to pick up the blitzes as well. Now, Arizona has had some really good running backs in uh, you know over the last several years, J.J. Taylor being one of the best at picking up the blitz. This year is going to be you know maybe more of an issue. I don't know if Michael Wiley doesn't have those types of uh, of assignments, or if Drake Anderson doesn't have those types of assignments. They're, you know, Drake is kind of small. I don't know if I would have him back there. I mean, you can cut you can cut guys, but it's you know it's tough. Uh, and Wiley, I don't know if you want him taking on too many blitzes because you know, he's going to be your he's going to be your every down back, your your bell cow type guy. And they, they did split time, but um, I didn't I didn't see too much max protection there. You know, that's what a, you know a guy like Clay Markoff. That's why you have him here. And I feel like he didn't play enough in this game. I would like to see more Clay Markoff. It felt like they ran the football a little bit better when he was in the game for the you know the three or four snaps that he took. And I'd like to see him in the game a little bit more. You brought him here. He's got experience. He's got size. He's you know he seems to be a, a pretty heady player. I'd like to see more packages with him in the backfield if this is going to persist. If this is going to be a problem, because here here's the issue with. Arizona's offensive line and how they're dealing with the blitz right now. You got you got Josh Baker in there who's a freshman. Now he is a second year freshman, but he's a freshman nonetheless. Still a very very young player. Offensive line takes a lot of time to develop. Freshmen rarely come in and are ready to play and dominate from day one. It just doesn't it doesn't happen unless you're an absolute freak of nature. Um, you're not going to come in and dominate as a freshman or even a second year player for the most part. You need to be seasoned. You need to be you know, 20, 20 plus years old, playing at the college level for at least two seasons before you're really going to be making a difference. And it's, it also helps to be playing alongside the, the guys next to you, to your left and right as well. So Josh Baker was targeted in, in specifically in one of, those, one of those blitz packages that BYU dialed up. <coughs> they ran a, a stack blitz against him where they sent, they, sent uh, they, they kind of did a curl with their defensive end so to kind of go from outside to inside, so they went from they went from essentially from a four technique to a th- to a, a, a four an I four an I four pardon me to a three technique in that particular uh, gap control. So Josh had to decide whether he was going to pass that guy off to the center or if he was going to take him on himself. In that in that situation, you know the, the offensive line needs to communicate there. They need to communicate pre snap. All right, I'm going to slide. If he comes inside, I'm going to slide. And then uh, Peyton Fears would then slide in and take the B gap, and C gap is open. But if you have that protection and you're Gunner Cruz, the quarterback, you know that C gap is open. If somebody's going to loop around, you got to step up into the pocket and deliver the football from there. You can't hang back, five step, seven step drop, uh, and and wait to get crushed from your left side. Okay, so I don't know. I don't know what the protection call was there, but Josh kind of was like indecisive in his in his handing off of of the defensive end the defensive end curled he kind of went inside but didn't commit all the way left the center kind of like is this my guy or not and then the linebacker comes streaking through and went right by josh baker i mean just went right by him so that was a targeted blitz by by byu props to them you know they 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 knew their uh, they knew the weak points on the on the offensive line for Arizona where you could get them into communication errors and and experience you know lack of experience and and they targeted that area and that was you know it was just a well drawn up blitz. There's not many teams that are going to be able to survive that one unless you have some kind of a, a miraculous type of quarterback or you have a back in the backfield to pick that guy up. Arizona did not have that. So um, so 
that was one of the that was one of the 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 sacks that occurred in the game. Another one was around the edge. Peyton fears he knew his assignment. Okay, he he knew the assignment. I think that he got off on the cadence a little bit. I think the cadence kind of threw him off. I don't know if he wasn't aware either of the snap count or he wasn't quite crisp with the cadence because what happened was is he was looking inside when the ball was snapped and he wasn't he wasn't centered okay he wasn't he wasn't straight up so he's looking inside already the ball is snapped he starts to go into his into his pass protection but his first move was to like to, was to turn to the right now he has to he has to overcompensate from looking inside now he has to look look to the right to see where his guy is, it's all too slow. Okay, all that takes time. Those are those are milliseconds that are clicking off that are giving the defense advantage in that situation. Okay, Peyton Fears does not have the athleticism at this point to be able to catch up from those types of mistakes, from those types of of slow starts, and he got blown right by. So, and again, I don't know if if it was a situation where they weren't communicating. If it's if he wasn't sure of the pass protection, if he was asking, "Hey, what are we in here? You know, what 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 what's my uh, you know, what's my assignment? What am I doing here?" Or if it was just he just wasn't sure of the cadence, was looking inside for the ball, maybe looking for some you know for something, but he he didn't have his head straight up, straight forward, and he was late getting around, he was late getting into position, and all that is just going to spell doomsday, and that led to the other sack. The other two. They were on Gunner, um, in my opinion. You know, they, he, holding on the ball for too long. That was the that was the bugaboo on him coming into you know coming into uh, into this season. Holds on to the ball a little bit too long. Like looks to make the big play. And look, you want guys to do that. You want guys to look for the big play. But if you're going to look for the big play, you have to do one of two things. You either have to be able to recognize where that pressure is coming, elude the pressure. You know, get out of the pocket boot, scramble, waggle, whatever you need to do, and then deliver the ball either underneath or send a guy on a go route and just try to heave it as far as you can, try to get a big play, or you have to step up into the pocket. Okay, Gunnar Cruz didn't do either. He just backpedal, 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 looking for more, looking for more, and then bang. So, look, these are all very, very, you know, I was, I was tweeting it out and stuff, and I was texting uh, with, you know, with some buddies. These are all very fixable, very teachable moments for Arizona's coaching staff, and that's going to be put into play. I'm sure it was it was looked at during the film session, and I'm sure it was addressed at practice last night, and I'm sure it'll be continue to be uh, you know uh, talked about in practice all week. They've got to get better protection, but they got to get the ball out too. Look, if if Arizona, if if just for whatever reason this offensive line just doesn't come together, if if Jordan Morgan's injury tends to linger and they don't get their starting left tackle and they have to kind of shuffle guys in and out of there, um, if Donovan Lay who who looked hurt in the second half he wasn't moving hardly at all uh in the second half he was out there toughing it out and you got to give him credit for that but if 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 this problem is going to persist then we're just going to have to live with the fact that Gunnar Cruz is going to be throwing five yard passes the entire game and trying to get the ball to receivers who can then maneuver in space we know that they've got guys who can do it Stanley Berryhill was the top rated wide receiver in the Pac-12 this week uh according to uh pro football focus on short passes. In the short passing game, he had like a 91 rating, which is remarkable. Uh, so we know Stanley Barry Hill's good at it. B.J. Castile's got speed. He's got moves. He can work inside. Tavian Cunningham, if he gets the ball, he's dangerous. we got tight ends we can throw the ball to, and that's what I'm going to talk about in the next segment is 
the missed opportunities in the tight end passing game. You know, you bring in these tight ends. You've got you got one that's already really good that's established here in Bryce Walma, who I think is a, is a very, very good tight end. And they just they didn't look at him. They just they just never got the ball to the guys. You know, Alex Lyons had a nice had a nice uh, reception. Bryce had, had two, but you know when you're looking at the distribution of the balls, man, you you, you got it. The tight ends needed to have six catches in that game, and they had three. I guarantee you, if the tight ends finish that game with six catches, we're talking about a different. We might be talking about a different outcome. It might be a 27-24 win for Arizona as opposed to a 24-16 loss. Three more catches from the tight ends, especially in crucial situations. One of them was definitely a touchdown that Gunnar Cruz just didn't see. The other one, if he'd gotten rid of it to him, he avoids a sack on a third and on a third down that forced Arizona to punt, and Bryce Wolma might still be running. He was wide open. So and we'll get into that you know, in a, in a moment here because – there was a lot of uh, a lot of missed opportunities for Arizona, and look, we we expect this. Okay, we knew that this was going to be this was not going to be a perfect situation for the Wildcats in their first game out. There was going to be growing pains. All in all, I thought thought they played extremely well, but the defense played really hard. And I do have some other thoughts on the defense as well because I talked to some other people around the uh, around the conference that watched the game. Some people were were pretty impressed uh, with what they saw on the field. We'll talk about that coming up in just a little bit. Join Spears and Ali this Friday. It's Bear Down Fridays from 3 to 6 at Main Gate Square. Join our community as we cheer on our U of A football team. Between 4 and 7 p.m., you can enjoy happy hour specials at the restaurants and patios that are adjacent to where the pep rally is, as well as the Junior Cats Activity Zone for the kiddos, so bring the entire family. The pep rally begins at 6, immediately following the uh, Spears and Ali show. It features the Pride of Arizona marching band. Wilbur and Wilma are going to be there. U of A cheerleaders, the Palm team, the Twirlers, and there's chances to win game tickets and a whole lot more. For more information, go to ESPNTucson.com. That's going to be uh, Bear Down Fridays. That's this Friday at Main, Main Gate Square from 3 to 6. Bear Down, Arizona. Cheer on your football team. More from Saturday's game next. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. The NFL is back, baby. FanDuel Sportsbook is celebrating with 40-1 to 1 odds on any week one game. And you can start that on Thursday, September 9th. Sportsbook goes live here in the state of Arizona. And who wouldn't want to win $200 on a $5 bet? This is no Hail Mary, folks. It's just that simple. New customers get 40 to one odds when you place your first wager on FanDuel. It's sports betting made simple. The app is incredibly easy to use. Plus, when you win, you'll get paid in as few as uh, just 24 hours. And to get you started, here's what I'm taking for my week one risk-free bet. Call me a homer, but I like the 49ers minus seven at Detroit. Winless teams get covered 74% of the time in their week one games. Uh, Winless preseason teams get covered all the time. It's it's 74% uh, loser. So I love San Francisco in that particular matchup. There's so many reasons why you should choose FanDuel. It's the number one rated sportsbook app in America. It's easy to use, safe, secure. There's fast payouts. And to get all of this, to get the bonuses and everything, just sign up with the promo code DEAN. That's D-E-A-N, my last name. You can win $200 on a $5 bet. Again, that's use promo code DEAN to get your 40-to-1 odds when you place your wager exclusively on the FanDuel Sportsbook app. 21 and over, 
It must present in Arizona. New users only. $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus of $200. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Here's what I heard from two people that I trust here that work in the Pac-12. One works for a team in the South. One works for a team in the North. Talked to both of them yesterday. Uh, just, you know, catching up, like, hey, you know, how was your weekend? You, know, you guys look good. You guys, you know, you guys didn't look good, whatever. And then the, the one thing they want to talk about with me, both of them, okay, one, one person works for the Arizona State football program. Another person works for a team in the North. Um, they both commented on how fast – Arizona looked and not not talking about speed of personnel on the field but how fast Arizona played they they commented both of them said the exact same thing un, unprompted and un you know completely uh, you know un, unmotivated to say it by anything that I gave them they both in, you know initiated this this conversation by saying that they were surprised at how Arizona how fast Arizona was playing both on offense and on defense they were both also extremely impressed with the essentially like the cohesive effort of the teams. Like they looked good in all three facets. Outside of the of the missing of the kicks and the muffed punt, Arizona played well in all three facets of the game. They played uh, admirably on defense. They played well on offense, and they played well in special teams. And there wasn't any substitution penalties. Arizona wasn't caught with twelve men or ten men on the field. They everything looked fluid, and they were able to play fast. And they were able to play together. That's comments from two people who work in football programs here in the Pac-12, okay? And I agree. You know, even even BYU's defensive coordinator, whose name I will not even begin to try to pronounce right now, um, he said they had a hard time keeping up with Arizona's offense and said that there were multiple times where they had personnel gaffes on the field. In fact, and I'm going to... I'm, I'm going to lament this, and I think I think Arizona's coaches are going to lament this, specifically Scott Spurrier may lament this as well. Um, so BYU was caught with 12 men on the field, and their D.C. said we had 12 men on the field a couple times, and the referees never caught it because Arizona was going so fast. And, look, we're used to this, right? We're, I mean, this is nothing new in college football. We just got done with the Rich Rodriguez and the Kevin Sumlin era where – there was no huddle. It was just get to the next play as quickly as possible. Arizona was huddling on Saturday night, and BYU still couldn't keep up because Arizona was moving with such such speed and such swiftness in and out of their plays that it was tough for, for BYU to, uh, to, to, to make up those differences. The BYU D.C. said he had 12 men on the field twice, didn't get called for it. Now, the other problem that I have is that on Haversick's second missed field goal, and I looked, BYU only had 10 men on the field. They had 10 guys on the field. You could see the coach running up and down the sideline, the BYU coach looking for his player when Arizona snapped the ball. They had 10 men on the field. Now, I'm sure, I don't want to assume, but I'm sure, I'm pretty sure that there is a protocol in that coaching office, at Arizona's coaching office, that if you're in a situation where you're kicking a field goal and all of a sudden you count 10 on the defense, that you call in a fake. Like, just call it whatever, whatever your play is. Like, you know, we got 10, we got, we got bonus one, we got, we got plus one, run a fake. 
I don't remember what the down and distance was. I think it might have been like fourth and 13 or something like that. So it would have been a ways to go. But if you're going to run a fake, and look, Jed Fish was going for it on fourth down at his own 24-yard line in the first quarter of the damn game. So why not call a fake in that situation? So I'm, I'm sure the coaching staff went and saw that, and they were probably kicking themselves. And I, I'm sure that that's something that they'll be focusing on. Look, Scott Spurrier has a has a long career ahead of him. He's a very young coach. He's got a long career ahead of him. Obviously, with the name Spurrier, you can associate. Yeah, where, where you know where he was brought up. Um, that's something that he's going to look at. I'm, I'm sure. And if Arizona continues to give other teams problems in, in the personnel department, as far as like having enough or too many guys on the field. That's something that Arizona can exploit and use to try to steal a win somewhere, right? Th- those little plays like that can make all the difference in the world. You know, if, if Arizona recognizes that BYU's only got 10 men on the field, they call a, a you know, a, a, just an emergency fake field goal, essentially. Okay, let's say they get the first down. Let's say they get a, uh, you know, they, they, they break the tight end out. He catches a ball, 16-yard gain. Now Arizona's in business. They're first and 10 from, like, the twelve. And they're going in. They got a fresh set of downs. <clears throat> They've got momentum after running a trick play, and you save yourself from having a kicker who's who's obviously having some problems right now finding the space between the the goalposts. So, uh, you know, all of that is is things that the, the coaching staff will look at and, and go back and, and be like, we we could have done better here. We should have recognized this, and uh, and we should have done better. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we're going to continue talking Arizona football. This time we'll talk about the defense. Uh, the defense, look, I think it underwhelmed a lot of people because we were expecting so much more. We were expecting different things, and I'll tell you why it kind of looked the way it did on Saturday night. That's next. You're listening to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, it's your first chance to win my tickets right now. Text to win. Do not call. You won't get anybody if you t- if you try to call a five-digit number. <laughs> okay? I want you right now to text the word UNIVERSITY. That's UNIVERSITY to 68683. Text it to 68683. Type in that. Type in the word UNIVERSITY. Hit send for your chance to win a pair of my tickets, my season tickets, to this Saturday's game against San Diego State, the football home opener. New coach, Desert Rising, Bear Down, Arizona. Good luck. Message and data rates may apply. So text right now, University. This is your 7 o'clock hour chance to win. Text the word University to 68683 and give yourself a chance to win my tickets to this Saturday's game coming up on Saturday night at Arizona Stadium, 7 o'clock, 707, specifically kickoff for the game. And I got some news last night that I am absolutely, I, I, like, I, I'm on cloud nine about this. And we'll get back to the game, talking about the game on last Saturday night after this. But Steve Kerr is going to be the honorary captain for Saturday night's game. Steve Kerr is going to be in attendance, which means that I know that I'm going to have a public address read that acknowledges Steve Kerr because that's what we do. We have honorary captains. We give a, uh, a spiel about their accomplishments at Arizona and in their pro, you know, whatever they did uh, in the in the professional ranks. 
And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, this is it. This is the opportunity I've been waiting my entire life for. As a young man who grew up in Tucson going to Wildcat basketball games, I went to, to a bunch of them, um, especially during that era in the, in the early and mid-'80s when things were just getting started and Steve Kerr was, uh, uh, was doing his thing in Arizona at the number 25 with that number 25 jersey on. And I used to go to the games, and I used to focus on Roger Settlemeyer, the great, and I do mean great, PA announcer from back in the day at Arizona. I grew up idolizing Roger Settlemeyer. I wanted to be Roger Settlemeyer for one reason and one reason only, because when he would announce Steve Kerr's name, he would draw out the Steve Kerr and the entire McHale Center. All 15,000 people that were packed in there would echo back, Steve Kerr. And it's, it's been a dream of mine. And I'm like, when will I ever get the opportunity to do that? Because obviously Steve Kerr doesn't play for Arizona. And I've been asked no fewer than 50 times if I was going to do that for Kirk Creesa, the guard that now plays for Tommy Lloyd's program, uh, of course, there. And I'm like, no, that's not Steve Kerr. And his name doesn't sound like Steve Kerr, so I'm not going to do that. Now, Kerr does wear the 25 jersey with Kerr on the name on the back because he wants to honor Steve, uh, you know, with, with, his, with his jersey, with his play. But uh, there's only one Steve Kerr, and only one man in the world gets an introduction like that, gets his name announced like that. And Steve Kerr is going to be the honorary captain on Saturday night, and I'm like, uh, now I'm, like, nervous. Because now I have – there's something other than the game that I'm thinking about. <laughs> but, I, I mean, like I, like right now, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. I have butterflies in my stomach right now just thinking about it. Like this is, this is just one of those moments. Like when I found out that I was going to meet Jerry Rice, this was many years ago. When I found out I was going to meet Jerry Rice and have a chance to interview with him and, and sit and talk with him, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't contain myself. I couldn't eat. I couldn't drink. Like the, the whole day. When, we, when, it, when I found out that we had scheduled him, I was working the Super Bowl. I had my show live at the, at the Super Bowl at, uh, at Radio Row here in, you know, in Phoenix when, it, when, the, when the Super Bowl was in Glendale. And I'm just like, uh, what, what, do I, what do I say? I mean, this is, he, he's my favorite player of all time and you know, all this other stuff. And I got my picture with him, and it was just amazing. Uh, this, is, this is another one of those moments. Like, I don't know how I'm going to contain myself. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I'm like, I'm gushing here. I'm sorry, but. Uh, this is just a huge moment. So you don't want to be there to miss Steve Kerr's return to U of A, to the campus, as an honorary captain for the football game. And, look, Arizona's favorite, one-point favorite right now against San Diego State, who struggled against New Mexico State on, uh, on Saturday. I was watching, watching some of that game kind of going back and forth um, and uh, checking out some of that stuff. And not real impressed by what I saw in the first half by San Diego State, but the second half they looked a lot better. Well, of course, we'll talk about that. We'll break down that game coming up later in the, in the week. I do want to talk about the defense, though, that we saw from Arizona on Saturday night versus versus BYU. <clears throat> Pardon me. I'm sorry. Uh, so Don Brown, defensive coordinator, talked about we're coming over that wall. We're going to blitz. His name is Dr. Blitz. Those stupid ESPN commentators announced that like 74 times on the broadcast. Uh, it was getting nauseating. But – you know, we, we were expecting a little bit more, right? We, I, think, I think Arizona fans were expecting more, more chaos in the backfield. And I'll be honest, I was too. 
BYU had 29 dropbacks in that game, 29 dropback passes. Arizona blitzed on 19 of those 29. They got home on zero of them. The lone sack from Keon Bars came on a four-man rush. It's a standard D-line rush. Keon made a, a great effort play and uh, was able to shed his blocker and, and, uh, and finally you, you know get a sack on Jaron Hall, a five- or six-yard loss. But Arizona did not get home on their 19 blitzes. Why? Well, I was watching some of these, and there was a lot of delayed blitzes. And this was all part of the design, okay? I did not expect this to be a huge sack game for Arizona because of the style of offense that BYU has. Now, one thing that you may notice or that's, you know, that you, that you, you know, may think is, is lacking um, in the statistical department from BYU is the amount of catches that were made by their tight ends. Now, BYU's tight ends are a main, a major, major part of their offense. They, they play a lot of two tight end sets. They throw the football to their tight ends a bunch, and uh, they cause all kinds of problems. They wreak havoc with the tight ends, and it's, it's, a huge, it's a huge issue. Arizona was making sure that BYU's tight ends were checked all night. They wanted to make sure that they were not letting those tight ends beat them in the passing game. And the way you do that is by kind of disguising and delaying your blitzes, okay? You have to make sure that that tight end is staying home or you know that you have that tight end covered. Whether you have a Sam uh, covering him, you have a nickel, you have a safety, something. Something has, to, something has to be in play to make sure that you know what that tight end is doing. Is he going to release? Is he going to stay in protection? What is happening? That's why there was a lot of delayed blitzes. Now, delayed blitzes don't often yield a whole lot of sacks. Sometimes they do especially if the quarterback turns the wrong direction, makes the wrong read, okay, turns the wrong direction, turns into a delayed blitz. That happens more times than you can possibly, you know, than, than, that happens more than just the delayed blitz getting home, okay, unless you have a, a corner or a safety that just comes streaking right through the A-gap on a delay. Then, the, for the most part, uh, delayed, delayed blitzes are, are – uh, products of, of quarterbacks either misreading or just kind of turning or getting spun into the lane of the delayed blitzer. So the delayed blitz worked for Arizona is it, it, it didn't get them it didn't get them the the ultimate statistic of a sack, but they did get a few pressures and they were able to keep BYU's tight ends in check. So they didn't let the tight ends run rough shot all over them on Saturday night, and that was huge. That's a huge part of the game plan. You cannot you cannot just sell out for the blitz, try to get home on every single one of them, and have the other team's tight ends go off for 14 catches and 186 yards and two touchdowns. You get, you get crushed doing that. Okay, So the delayed blitz was the, was the game plan. If it looked like Arizona was hesitating, like their blisters were, were hesitating, you're, uh, you're 100% right <laughs> because they had to wait and see because uh, BYU ran double tight end sets a lot in that game, specifically, and I think uh, uh, you know part of the reason why um, was because they were missing their top three wide receivers after the first quarter. Both Nakua brothers did not play. Sampson and Puka Nakua did not play. Did not did not start. Did not play in that game. And then Gunnar Romney, the six four wide receiver, um, got hurt in the first quarter. Did not return to that game. So their top three wide receivers were out. So they went double tight end a lot um, after that hoping to, to get the, uh, the tight ends of the passing game. Don Brown was having none of it. 
Now Don Brown was still going to blitz. He was still going to keep his M.O., try to continue to pressure the quarterback, but he wasn't going to do it at the, at the expense of losing the game to the tight ends. Not going to happen. So when people are like, well, the blitz didn't come in, Don Brown, you know, not as advertised. Yeah, Arizona didn't get a whole lot of sacks. They had one, and it wasn't on a blitz. But you know what it did? The, those delayed blitzes did create situations where Jaron Hall had to make quicker decisions, and I'm sure that, that BYU wanted him to, and they completely took away the tight ends from him. So all in all, I would say that's a victory for Arizona. You held BYU to 24 points and less than 400 yards of offense. This is a team that averaged 526 yards of offense last year. I mean, yeah, and I get it. Zach Wilson was the number two pick in the NFL draft, and he's going to be starting on Sunday for the Jets. Okay, Jaron Hall. It's not like Jaron Hall is like this, you know, nobody. You want you saw him play on Saturday night. Kid's got skill. The hell of a player. So, listen, it, it, you're not always going to get six sacks in a game. You have to. You still have to play defense. You still have, you know, 10 other guys you got to worry about. Specifically, guys are going to go out and catch the ball. you got to worry about those, the playmakers, right, guys on the edge. I thought Arizona did a fine job. And I'll tell you another thing that Arizona did that I was not expecting to get this year that, uh, that was a nice, a nice surprise on Saturday night at least. And I shouldn't say a surprise. They're both very good players. But uh, BYU didn't even test the corners. Between Christian Rona Wallace and Isaiah Rutherford, like, they didn't get any balls thrown their way. Like, they, BYU was having none of that. They're like, nope, nope, that's, we're, not, we're not even going to go there. And, again, it could be partially because those top three wide receivers were out. But I'll be honest with you, I, I don't think Samson and Puka Nakua make all the biggest difference in the world from the guys that they had out there. You know, their other wide receiver, their, their, uh, their, their slot guy, uh, he, he had a pretty good game. Uh, but, again, they were not going to challenge Arizona's top two corners. And if Arizona can have that same kind of success, if teams are going to continue to have that same philosophy against Arizona where they have to attack the middle of the field, attack the nickel, the nickel corners and the safeties and the linebackers, Arizona's going to do just fine as long as they continue to, to gang tackle like they did. 11 guys running to the football, which they did, um, and people noticed. Look, Arizona was quick to the ball. Defense looked fast. It played fast. I was very impressed with the defense. I'll be honest. I, I really was. And people that wanted more results in the sack game, I get it. I did too. Of course you want more, more results in the sack game. But Arizona played extremely well, and they didn't get beat by the tight ends, which was a huge, uh, a huge point of, of interest for that defense. So all in all, uh, a very good grade for Don Brown and the defense on Saturday night. All right, we're going to take a timeout when we return. More from the Arizona-BYU game, and then in hour number two, some NFL and some other college football action, including the results of my Friday Five that did not turn out so well. You stay tuned here right here to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, real quick, it's a, it's a short segment followed by a short break, and then we're right back into it at the 8 o'clock hour. My final thoughts on the Arizona-BYU game, at least it pertains to today. Uh, we may have more thoughts throughout the week. In fact, I probably will. Situationally, Arizona was average to poor at best. Four red zone trips, only six points is disappointing, to say the least. Uh, during the 13-game losing streak, that uh, Arizona's currently in the middle of. 33 trips to the red zone during those 13 games only converted 14 touchdowns and 11 field goals. 
That's eight empty possessions. Now, in those eight empty possessions, there's been four missed field goals, two of them against BYU, and four turnovers. So the conversion rate, touchdown conversion rate in the red zone, which should be 65% plus, that's where you want to be, 65, over 65% touchdown conversions, okay? Total conversions, you want that to be 85 plus. Right now, Arizona's touchdown conversion rate in the red zone during this losing streak is 42%. That, I don't know what other teams are. That's approaching, like, Kansas-level bad. So Arizona's got to figure out ways to get in the end zone. Just plain and simple. Got to figure out ways to get in the end zone. Now, Chet Fish talked about his play calling at the beginning of the game, said his play calling should have, could have been better. I agree. I do agree. I thought that giving the ball to Michael Wiley seven out of the first eight plays of the game was, <laughs> I understand you want to establish a, you know, a player, but let's try to spread the wealth a little bit. Okay. Uh, yeah, I thought the play calling was, wasn't great to start the game, but you got to figure out how to get in the end zone. You got four trips into the red zone. You got nothing, no, no, no touchdowns from that. So very important for this offense to start to figure out how they get into the end zone once they get into the, tw- into the 20s. Because between the 20s, team moved the ball extremely well. 426 yards of offense looked good, five, you know, over five yards per play. Inside the red zone, when things get critical and squished, Makes things a lot more difficult. Arizona's got to figure that out. All right, stick around. Just a two-minute break. Real quick turnaround here into hour number two. Coming up, i got hour two of my win. Jeff Dean's tickets for this Saturday's game and a whole lot more. NFL, college, and everything else in between. Stay tuned. Hour number two, Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, KMXC HD4 Tucson.